How can you make your news business future-proof in unpredictable times? This is the question that we're going to be exploring. I'm Peggy Ann Saltz, mobile analyst, tech consultant, and frequent contributor to Digital Content Next, which is this company right here, a trade association serving the diverse needs of high-quality digital content companies globally. And today the topic is sustainability. And my guest is Anita Zelina. Anita is the Director of Leadership and Innovation at CUNY's Newark Journalism School in New York City. And this is where she runs all the executive education leadership initiatives that we will be talking about today. I'm excited to have Anita. Anita has had a change-making career in digital news that includes a decade as an editor and chief product officer at leading publishing groups in Germany. Austria, Switzerland, and here with us today. So it's great to have you here today on Digital Content Next, Anita. Great to have you. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Peggy. And I, I rattled off all the uh, the places. Where are you coming to us from today? I'm in New York, uh, okay. sheltering in place in my Brooklyn mm. apartment, as all of us do currently. Absolutely. And uh, that's that's the new normal. We're going to talk about the new normal, actually. Now, I said at the top that your research is focused on sustainability. Sustainability in media, is it an urgent goal that we have to do now, we have to focus on now, or is this something that's a stretch goal more for the future? Well, I think, Peggy, um, it can't be just the stretch goal, because uh, if it's just the stretch goal for the future, we might not live to see that future as media organizations. Um, sustainability and finding a sustainable portfolio of revenue has actually been a priority for media for uh, the last few years um, because of all the disruptions happening in the industry, both on the user behavior and the business model side. But I think that the current uh, COVID-19 crisis Kind of accelerated that trend and put you know a heightened sense of urgency to the topic mm -hmm. so very much more urgent but definitely always there so it's like all things with transformation you know it's accelerated that's what's happening here now at its core when i think about sustainability it's about convincing consumers they need to pay for news but with everything else, you know, it's also about building new models, maybe not-for-profit, reader-supported models. I'm just curious what you're seeing, what you're advising when it comes to revenue diversification. Well, let me get started there where, where I'm going to say the maybe controversial words that I think <laughs> it's very hard to convince readers to pay for news. Uh, mm. And I think that if that is our ambition, um, we are kind of bound to fail. Obviously, reader revenues are an essential part of a sustainable media business model. And I think it's become clear to even the organizations that have been purely reach and advertising revenue focused in the last years, that they have to find some way to also integrate uh, reader revenues into their revenue streams. Um, but how that balance is, how many percent uh, of your revenue come from subscriptions, how many percent come from advertising, how many come from events, how many come from training, um, how many come from membership, a growing uh, part of organizations is focusing on membership rather than just subscriptions. I think that really depends on each and every organization and on their specific audience and their specific target market. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, you are doing this. This is what you do in your executive program. You know, you nurture change makers. And that program kicked off in January because it's one thing to talk about revenue and business models, but you also need talent. And that's what you're you're focused on this in your program. I know it's not maybe possible to get the entire view of what you're telling media executives to do, you know, what they need to learn, how they need to network, but I would love to have a view into that. So what can you share from that program? So really the program is, imagine it as um, a program for people who are tasked with driving change and transformation in their media organization. Many of them on the editorial side, many of them on the business or product side, and we kind of empower them with the skills, the network, the knowledge they need to develop successful new business models and successful new products. We also help them to become more effective leaders. Leading in change is very different from leading in quiet times. So we uh, empower them in understanding what that leading in times of change means, what good leadership means. And we help them understand the necessary management practices. Uh, many media leaders come into position, into leadership positions without ever having had um, a formal management training, let alone an MBA. So imagine our program as kind of a MBA meets best practice in media, meets intensive cohort-based leadership training. That sounds amazing. And I love the concept because it's exactly what people need, particularly again, you know, we always say in these times, but let's face it, they're challenging Anita. Um, I, I would love to hear, you know, what are the three things? I don't think we're going to be able to go there because it's going to always depend on the company. It's going to depend on the, the, the region. It's going to depend on a lot of things. Um, even the background, the personal development and strength um, of the leader that you're teaching, but could you give a little bit of a better idea of like the skills that they need to learn? Maybe there's something more in what you were saying about where they don't have an MBA. So maybe it's really more yeah. about learning more management or getting to be more hands-on or, or getting your hands around all those shiny toys. Maybe this is the <laughs> time, you know, for AR and AI and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's really the time now, you know, use the, the reset to reinvent. Yeah, I, I do feel, Peggy, that there are some things that are absolutely essential for leaders and managers in these times. Um, and I'd say number one is prioritization. And you kind of touched upon that in your question now. There are so many distractions flying around here. There is a big temptation to just kind of jump on the next shiny new technology and not approach uh, innovation in a strategic way. So. Mm -hmm giving leaders the frameworks um, that help them prioritize innovation, prioritize investments and helping them understand the mid and long-term effects uh, of these investments. That's something that I think is the number one super, super essential thing. Number two, I'd say, um, is really um, what, what you uh, called the managerial skills. I think as a journalistic leader nowadays, you have to understand the basics of how to run a business. Um, you have to understand uh, profit and loss. You have to understand the basic pillars of how revenue works. You have to understand the basic functions of marketing. Uh, you have to understand a certain part about product um, and technology um, to be an effective leader, even if you're on the editorial side, because a lot of your work is going to be interdisciplinary work together with colleagues from all these other departments and to make smart decisions 
you need to understand their language and you need to understand um, how to communicate with them and make educated decisions. So that's what I'd say number two, mm. uh, enough understanding for you know the business side, the product side, the tech side of things to make educated decisions there. And then I'd say number three is really talent. Um, we are running into a terrible, terrible talent crisis in journalism. Um, a lot of young people entering um, the profession nowadays, and especially the ones we need, the ones with you know technical skills, with digital storytelling skills, understanding subscriptions and monetization, um, they sometimes don't uh, find a very hospitable um, industry. Um, media organizations from time to time are pretty old-fashioned in how they um, how they treat their employees, um, the things like continuing education, uh, developing diverse career paths, and in general, obviously, diversity, just allowing people from other backgrounds um, to also reach management or leadership level in news organizations. People, especially the ones called the millennials or whatever you want, but especially younger people kind of entering the, the first level of leadership at the moment, are a pretty demanding in what they want to see from an organization um, that they want to work at. And part of that is they want to work at a place that allows them to have impact and allows them to be part of something meaningful. So I think we also have to work on becoming organizations that give people that space and that freedom to do that. Um, and I think that's that's what I'd say number three. That's fascinating. So it's more, you know, get away from that command and control, get more to cultivate, you know, and motivate. And I, I think that's just a, a fantastic message here. And Anita, I really wasn't even thinking about, but you're absolutely right, you know, education pathways and, and embracing people who know how to use the technology. And that brings me to a different question because, you know, many media companies, let's face it, it's the reality. They're low on cash. They're, but they're crushing it in trust. You know, they're, they have an ability to serve underserved audiences. And you would imagine in these times, you know, pandemic, unrest, racism, just the unknown. And you want to know what's happening closer to home. So, you know, and you've written it many times in your blogs. Local newsrooms are vital institutions for transparency, democracy, but they're also perhaps about to disappear or at least become much less. So there again, critical skills. Let's take what you teach. Let's turn it on to the local news. Um, what is it that they can be exploring to be relevant, to be be taking that place where they could and should, which is you know top of my mind at this time as a source for information and news. Maybe there's something special about the local news area. Well, I think Peggy, you touched upon several very important uh, things here. One of them is yes, I do think that local. Well, let me start first with yes. This is a terrible event uh, for local news. We know that many of them are really struggling. Um, and that's something that just, you know, for the means of supporting democracy, we have to really, really fight against as an industry, as an ecosystem. But yes, I do agree that local news are actually in a good position to come out of this, um, you know, strong if they really stay close to their communities. Now, what mm. does that mean? That does mean really figuring out what need you serve for your community, what your community, what your regional community, but also your other niche community 
expects from you, what they need from you, how you can actually better their um, understanding of policy and their feeling as an active part um, of the democratic system. And yes, plenty of news organizations uh, in local areas have done a good job at that. But I'm also going to say that I think many of them also failed part of their communities, mm. especially when we talk about communities of color, um, especially when we talk about underrepresented communities. Um, and I think it's fair to say that many of the local newsrooms, especially the large legacy local newsrooms, are still very white uh, and very male and not very representative of um, the audiences uh, that they are actually serving. And if you're not representative of your audiences, it's very hard to really serve them. So I think diversifying local news is uh, not just the right thing to do, but it's also the smart thing to do uh, from a business perspective. Couldn't agree with you more. And that brings us to the other point, which is really saying, okay, one of the points is to prioritize, be patient. I'm hearing that here, but we also have to measure those results. Otherwise, we're not going to get anyone on board who's going to say, yes, this is the way we're going to transform. This is the path to change. So I guess the question is, you know, those revenue models in our evolving new normal, um, what are those models now? How can we measure success? We couldn't do it when it was normal. Um, and in the new normal, it's going to be even tougher. So what are you advising? Well, I wouldn't even say that we couldn't do it or didn't do it when it was normal. I feel that media organizations have become way better over the last two or three years in uh, measure, collecting data, analyzing data, measuring successes, sharing these successes. So I do feel that there has been kind of a shift in the industry from, you know, an awareness towards uh, being savvy about data doesn't necessarily mean that you're kind of completely giving up your editorial independence, not at all. It just means you don't, you know, navigate blindly. You basically use the data points that are out there, the ones about your existing users, but also the, the ones that you get from conversations with people who are not your readers or users. You just kind of combine all these data sources um, to help you make, you know, best guesses, because that's all we are doing, right? No one can predict the future. We're all making educated best guesses that ideally are based on a combination of data points, based on a combination of uh, gut feeling, and based on a combination of, you know, looking at best practices, analyzing them, and aligning them with your strategy. So I'd say the industry has become better uh, in doing this, like, data and analytics work. Um, and I think it's, as you said, I think it's essential if you have whatever kind of revenue model, frankly, whether that's events uh, or advertising or membership or subscriptions, you need to understand why people actually buy your products. You need to understand why they decide uh, to pay for something that you offer. You need to understand why advertisers uh, or sponsors are interested in, in you. So there is a lot of, I'd call it self-reflection in in that kind of cake as well. Um, uh, so I'd say at least a, a piece of self-reflection is in there. But I think, yeah, understanding why, what people expect from you, why they are passionate about you, um, and what impact that has on your bottom line and profit and loss. I think that's absolutely mandatory. Couldn't agree more. Of course, also what's changing are those, those North Star metrics. I mean, maybe you can, Give me an idea of what 
ROI is or the metrics you need to be looking at. Now, you mentioned, you know, if your business is defined and you're focused on subscription, you're focused on events, whatever it is you're focused on, that's what you need to measure. That's where you need to have those models and that's where you need to be transforming yeah. those models. But those metrics, any key metrics that stay consistent or are emerging for that matter? It's it's really hard to to you know tell tell you one metric because it really depends mm. on your organization. What what's the right Nostra metric for one organization will be super wrong for another organization. So the process of figuring out these metrics and getting to an alignment, a strategic alignment with your organization on this is where we need to go, and then building the road there and basically saying and this is how we get there, and constantly analyzing whether uh, you are also getting closer to your North Star metric and not going into the wrong direction suddenly. I think that's a very unique um, process and strategic process that each and every organization has to do. What I will say is that obviously, and we talked about that before, user centricity and understanding the communities you serve uh, and mm -hmm. making sure that you hear these communities and understand their needs, their fears, their pains, their hopes, and their uh, information consumption behavior. I think that is something that's absolutely essential. And I would say that's pretty universal for each and every uh, media company. Now, how that translate, translates into your Nostra metric and what exactly your Nostra metric is, is it engaged users? Is it paid digital subscriptions? Is it new membership? Is it user retention? Is it just raising the number of digital subscribers? Is it gaining traction among new members? Is it you know, gaining certain advertising clients. Uh, that really depends on your strategic uh, priorities in your organization, but putting the user first and central for everything that you're doing is always an, an important part of that. I'd like to understand as a last question, you know, when is it all over? When is transformation <laughs> over? When have I changed enough? When have I, when am I, when am I, when am I on the, you know, the way? When have I <laughs> nailed it? That's a good question. And if I had to pick one question that I was asked most often in, in all my managerial roles, it's probably that. Um, and it's a very understandable question because uh, let's not forget that change is a hard process. It's not easy. It's sometimes painful. It means um, questioning our behaviors and questioning our inherent assumptions and letting go of some of them. So it's not an easy process. So I understand um, the, the, the need and the hope um, in uh, media organizations and from employees in media organizations to say, when is all this gonna stop? And when are we kind of in you know, a quiet river again um, and not in the crazy wild storm that we are in right now? But the only answer that I can give is, change is never going to be over. Um, I think there will be times, and uh, I think we all look forward to them, when the pace of change might be, you know, a tiny bit slower, when uh, the different curveballs that the world throws at us might not be as, you know, multiple and parallel um, as they've been in the last years. Um, when we feel that we found, you know, at least a path to sustainability and see you know, a light at the end of the tunnel for each and every organization. But the one thing that I'll tell all the media leaders that I work with uh, and all the students um, that, I, that I talk with, I'm going to tell them if there is one skill that you can learn that's going to help you throughout your whole career, it's 
being comfortable and being adaptive to change uh, because that's the one thing that's going to stick with you. Technologies will change, business models will change, um, external uh, surroundings will change. But the one thing, the willingness and ability to handle transformation and change, that's the real core key for media leaders, but frankly, all leaders, I think, in the 21st century. Thanks so much, Anita, for being my guest today and for sharing your insights. Thank you so much for, for having me here, Peggy. Thank you. And thank you, of course, for tuning in. And next in the series, we go virtually, of course, just virtually, to the Smithsonian Institute. We talk about virtual experience and real engagement. So that's next month. And of course, in the meantime, be sure to check out all the great content over at digitalcontentnext.org and join the conversation on Twitter at DCN.org. Keep well, and we'll see you soon.